Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz. Oscar Lopez in the house going uh, with the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, today. Uh, episode 371, WFA Week 1, WF, WNFC Week 1. We're going to talk about it, all of it, in the house. Today we have two amazing individuals diving into both leagues. Uh, we have backseat coach Mark Simon here in about 15 minutes as we dissect WFA Week 1 action. And then we're going to have the talented... Uh, Casey Dobson of uh, Global Women's Sports Radio and uh, also coming in here for the WNFC Week 1. So if you haven't caught uh, her article, you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grandbeauties. Look for the article right there. And we're going to be talking NFL draft aftermath here, including Aaron Rodgers not happy in Green Bay with the Hall of Famer Holly Custis here in in a couple minutes. Uh, Don't forget, you guys, uh, our podcast is powered by monkeyknifefight.com. Get a $5 free play at monkeyknifefight.com. Take advantage of the 100% match. You can play NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball going strong right now. So if you're pretty good at props, you can make some dough. $100 turns to $300, $10 to $30. So depending on your inclination and knowledge of sports, you can make a couple bucks every day on monkeyknifefight.com. If you go there, sign up, use code NJF and get started today. And you can go to our No Joke Football Shop as well, up to 25% off at thezazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties No Joke Football Shop. Check out all our stuff and appreciate everybody ordering overseas as well. Thank you very much, everybody from uh, Spain, uh, Sweden, and Germany. Really appreciate you guys supporting us. Get the best uh, selling shirt, the Not A Boys shirt, uh, on there on the platform right now and order it today. All right, let's bring in the Hall of Famer here, Holly Custis, in the house. Holly, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Holly. Uh, I saw I saw 21 taking names on defense. Wow, pretty good game for you guys, including yourself. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, it was a, a great start to the season. You know, I, I think that uh, – Phoenix is going to have a really good year. Um, they they have some players on their team, and they play uh, a, a physical style of, of football. And so I think they're going to have a really good year. For us, I, I think it's really important to start out strong. There are still things that we can work on, and and I had a really fun time playing with this team. So uh, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season uh, holds for us and uh, looking forward to this uh, game this coming weekend. Holly, uh, and you also get a touchdown on top of that. Uh, Rasmussen throws you a touchdown, <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Oh, it was a it was a two point conversion, but yeah, um, you know it's uh, it's really fun because uh, the team is really creative, and <clears throat> I like being put in different uh, spots and different positions, and it, it makes it really fun for me. And yeah, um, being me in the front corner of the end zone and. Um, you know, it, it was it was it was fun to get into the end zone again, and uh, I look I hopefully look forward to doing more of that this year. So, yeah, it was great. All right, uh, we saw you uh, literally just taking you know taking names out there. Um, to your uh, to your uh, information here, 
Phoenix is very talented. I was uh, watching game film on, on Vire Network as well. And so, um, you know, give a shout-out to Nicole uh, Villarendo, uh, number 24, and then obviously uh, Megatron, uh, Katrina Wilson on their side of the field. Uh, there's a couple opportunities there that they could have taken advantage of. But uh, overall, like to your point, they got some good uh, um, ballers out there. If they get it together with Harrison, uh, they could be an improved, much improved team in this uh, conference. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I think it, it, with being a new team, it's kind of hard because you don't know exactly what to expect. And I know they've had um, a version of this team a couple years ago, but, um, you know, Megatron is obviously an issue. She's really tall, uh, very strong, and uh, I want to also give a lot of credit to the, the running back, uh, uh, Chelsea, number one. Um, she's very physical and very quick uh, and burned us a couple of times on the edge, and I think she's going to have a really good year, and that's a, a name that you guys should uh, look out for for sure. No, uh, Chelsea Slater, we cannot not mention her. I mean, she really took advantage of the edge on both plays, and she really burned uh, Utah. You know, I mean, the defense right there, just uh, massive speed. Um, probably one of the, what, the only two scores on their squad, right, that you guys allowed? Yeah, she she scored both of them, and, and she's quick, but, like, she she's, um, you know, she has a lot of power for her, her compact size, and she's not yep. easy to tackle. So you, you can't yep. – um, arm tackles are not going to do it. Um, you can't go too high. You, you have to like you have to find the sweet spot in tackling her because she's not going to go down easy. Um, so a lot of credit to her, and I think they're going to be kind of a sleeper team. I think they're going to do some good things this year. Yeah, I know. I they, the score was uh, somewhat back and forth in a lot of senses, but uh, you know once you guys got rolling, uh, second half uh, pretty much Bean was set down, and then. You had uh, uh, Gallica take over there, and there were some mishaps there, with obviously, with the second squad. But overall, it was an impressive win for Utah. Um, so we're going to be diving into the WFA with uh, at Backseat Coach. If you follow him on Twitter, that's Mark Simon, big-time Boston Renegades fanatic and supporter. And then we're going to be diving in also to Cassie Do- Dobson of Global Women's Sports uh, Radio and uh, the editor at Unbench as well. And so she'll be coming in here in 45 minutes to give us the lowdown of the WNFC. And if you didn't catch her article, you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, and the article is right there. Um, Holly, let's touch on NFL draft before we go into women's football, which we want to all talk about right now because it's week one and all the excitement that happened with both uh, in terms of the leagues. Um, I, are you buying this Aaron Rodgers story? How much credibility are you giving it to the Aaron Rodgers story before we do draft here? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I give it credibility in that I, I think he's definitely unhappy. I, I think, um, you know, the, the question is not that is he unhappy or not. The question is what is he going to do about not being happy? Because I, I don't know, you know, Green Bay is an interesting situation um, because they don't have a, a traditional owner. You know, they're, they're owned by Green Bay, the, the city. And so they they have, you know, a front office, but it's a little bit of a different dynamic. But still, they have a decision to make. Do they try to reconcile? Do they try to, um, you know, move on from him and get as much value as possible? It it seems like they're not going to to move on from him because, from my understanding, um, the 49ers, 
you know, we're kicking the tires. I'm sure a lot of other teams are kicking the tires, and they didn't even, you know, blink or even want to go down that road. So if they're not willing to move on, then the question is, how how deep down this rabbit hole are we going to go? You know, it's it's kind of a, a huge question mark, kind of like uh, uh, Watson is going into this off season. And so I don't know. I, I have a feeling, you know, Aaron will eventually end up playing. You know, but I. I is he willing to sit out? Is he willing to retire? I don't know. Um, I do think that relationship is fractured. Um, and I understand, on one hand, his frustration. Um, but I also, I don't know, if you are a teammate of his, I think that would be definitely hard to swallow at times because it's definitely distracting when your franchise guys like, get me out of here. So I, I can see both sides of, of the fence on how people feel about the situation, but all we can do is wait and see um, how, uh, you know, willful he's going to be and if he's going to retire or not. If he retires, I can see him retiring for a year and then coming back elsewhere if he can get relief somehow if, he, if he's still on the contract. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember how long his current contract goes for. But that's a possibility. You know, he could pull a – a Marshawn Lynch and sit on the couch for a minute and come back somewhere else, you know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but it's definitely it's definitely as Aaron Rodgers turns, it's a soap opera every day. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you, it was kind of a shocking uh, situation because I don't think they've committed. They weren't committed to him for long term. And if you're him, you start to see all these other quarterbacks getting committed and, they're, and they have lesser credibility in terms of playoff performances and, and Super Bowl wins. Uh, so you really, I, I guess, in, internally you're sitting there going, you know, what am I really worth here, right? Because they're not really committing. Right. And he has a couple years left, and, and he's way better than, you know, a, a, a Dak Prescott in a way. And Dak Prescott's getting money. Not to say Dak Prescott's not a good player or a quarterback, but the credentials and results, in other words. So I don't know if this league is result-oriented anymore and, and, and only paying for that, or are we just – or that they're just paying just for, okay, high-caliber athlete, and then we'll see if it works out. We'll just pay you up front now. I think that's the mistake I think the NFL is going to right now. They should be paying based on results and not so much based on hype. It's hard because the the sport is <clears throat> and uh, the league is so predicated on do you have your franchise quarterback. So I think, I think some positions – are easier to navigate than others. The quarterback position is definitely hard. <clears throat> and I think what, what we're seeing, like, in this offseason, of all this uh, quarterback, you know, carousel and, and the quarterbacks voicing their opinions more about, like, I'm not happy, I need help, and or please get me out of here, I think they're starting to realize their value and, therefore, they're trying to leverage that value. And so the question is how far – does this go? Is there a point of diminishing return where um, franchises are not willing to to pay a, a top dollar? I don't know. I don't see that and, until something happens and uh, <clears throat> maybe, you know, um, running backs, you know, uh, become a higher premium and all of a sudden we're running the ball a lot more. Until that happens, I, I think you're just going to see this keep going up. And it's, it's a little crazy, but if you think about it, there is a value in it if you get it right, because with the uptick in um, 
nutrition and people taking care of themselves by Tom Brady, if you get it right, you have the you have your guy for fifteen, twenty years. And sure. if you get it wrong though, then you're you're in a hole. And everybody's trying to find that fifteen to twenty year guy and it's hard because they don't there's not a lot of them. And even if you do find them, sometimes injuries happen or life happens and they don't pan out anyway even if they had the talent. So it's a it's a crap shoot and I think it's a <clears throat> it's a necessity though. So we'll see what happens, but I definitely think it's gonna be um interesting, you know, off season father trying to figure out what's gonna happen with Aaron. All right, uh Holly, you get your boy Trey Lance. Um Frisco, you know, moved up to number three. They get Trey Lance, so uh, are you giddy or happy here? Um as the Garoppolo era might end at some point in midseason or Kit's going to just groom himself, obviously, for year two, if anything, you know, if they trade Garoppolo in as an example. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, I was so worried that we were going to take Mac Jones. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it was know. really crazy <laughs> because um, every single day leading up to the draft, there was, like, five articles of, like, this, you know, inside pundit guy is like, I swear, my sources are right. They're going to pick this guy. And then there's another article by another guy that's like, my sources are right. They're going to pick this guy. And every day, and I was like, okay, there's there's a lot of smoke and, you know, a lot of, like, fluff everywhere. And, and, and so it was really interesting to watch because, you know, my big question mark is going into the draft. There was a press conference right before it. And it seemed like Lynch and Shanahan weren't quite on the same page. And that worried me. But then I was like, well, because the the storyline was people thought that Kyle wanted Matt Jones and that the rest of the staff wanted Trey Lance. And so it was kind of a weird dynamic. And I'm like, huh, I have no idea what they're going to do at this point. So when I was waiting um, for the announcement, I was so excited to take Trey because it just – Matt Jones didn't make any <clears throat> logical football sense to me. He doesn't bring anything. Like Jimmy right now is a better quarterback than Matt Jones. And then on top of it, he so you would have traded up all these assets to get a guy who's not better than the guy you currently have. Then his ceiling is not very high. He kind of, I think he kind of is who he is. It's not like he's a bad quarterback, but he doesn't have a high ceiling and then on top of it, I don't think he really fits your system that well. And then on top of that, he's kind of the same guy that you, you know, if you're Shanahan, that you've been to the Super Bowl with, but you can't win with. So why would you keep, why would you move up, you know, um, trade all these assets for a guy that's not better than the guy you currently have, somebody who's not going to be somebody that is going to change the course of the franchise for the next, like, 15 years, and somebody you probably could have gotten at 12. So it didn't make any sense to me. So I was really happy that my my internal instincts were correct and that they did the right thing and took Trey because I think Trey, he might not be ready out of the box right now, but he has a lot of upside. And when I know a lot of people knock the fact that he didn't have a lot of games and he played at a lower level. And I think those people might have a, a little bit of a dated view on the game because it used to be back in the day before, you know, social media and a lot of uh, media exposure that you had to go to the Alabamas, the Ohio States to get, 
you know, uh, recognized and found. But because of social mm-hmm. media, you don't have to go to the big schools anymore to get found. It doesn't necessarily mean if you go to a small college that you don't have talent. It, um, and from my understanding, his background was not – he didn't go to a small college because he didn't have talent. He went to a small college because the bigger colleges wanted him to switch positions, and he didn't want to do that. And yeah, so then you then you watch his game film, and he has a lot of good decision making. He's athletic. He he makes good reads. Uh, he's uh, he, he's somebody that can uh, you know make a play on a on a broken play, um, and and I think there's a lot to work with. And so if you give him a year under the tutelage of somebody like Shanahan, and you give him eventually the keys to that offense, I think it's a perfect fit. I think he probably won't start this, you know, at least the, the beginning of the year. I could see him, because Jeremy is not playing well at the beginning of the year, or Jimmy gets hurt, then I could see him coming in. But I think they're going to try to pull it uh, like a similar situation to Alex Smith and Mahomes, because Mahomes sat for about a year or so, and then he, he took over for, for Alex when Alex got hurt. And I think that first year is really important if you can get your, your future guy um, you know, some exposure to what the game is at this level. I think it's a great fit, and I'm really excited. Um, I think we did uh, fairly well in the rest of the draft, um, and you could tell that the injuries that played those last year were definitely at the forefront because we were drafting, like, like three linemen, two running backs, all the areas that we had injuries in. I think they were like, okay, we're not going to go through that again, so we're going to stockpile in all these spots. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was and you had that. a lot of picks. So to their credit, I mean, why not, yeah. right? You got they had picks, so it's a nice thing right. to fit in. Um, the three top quarterbacks, nobody I think would was surprised that Trevor went to Jacks and that Zach Wilson went to the Jets. Nobody was surprised. I think that was the dilemma, as you mentioned earlier, was whether Trey Lance, um, you know, was going to go uh, at this point over, or or are they going to take Mac Jones? That was really the, the only issue that everybody's – after that, I don't think anybody really cared about the draft unless you're individually honed into your own team. But three quarterbacks go in the first. Lance goes to Frisco. Um, BYU, Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, which I think Salah's going to be very happy about that and grooming that guy up. And then Trevor Lawrence, obviously, the face of Jacksonville. I mean, if Duvall needed a face, that's it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the face of Jacksonville. So check out the article right there at the Hub, NFL Draft. First round uh, recap right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Let's go into the Monkey Night Fight huddle sponsored by Night- Monkey Night Fight. Go to Monkey Night Fight right now. Get a $5 free play at a $100 match, and you can use the code NJF and get started today. So let's bring in uh, the, the, the guru of the WFA at Backseat Coach, and that's Mark Simon right after the huddle here. Oscar here on the podcast. Thanks for making the time. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Mark Simone, a.k.a. Backseat Coach, at your service. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, welcome to the thrill that is the 2021 women's football season. Pretty awesome, huh? Right. You know, I'm ready for it every year, whether I expect to be or not. Um, once that ball uh, kicks off, I, I, I just can't help myself. I don't know if I'd say I was a guru, but I'm definitely a fan. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. You are a guru, just to let you know. So you've got a great fan following. Um, Mark, I mean, the two leagues now, visibility, streamline, right? Uh, WFA on For the Fans as well, the game of the week. We had uh, Orlando against Tampa, which uh, it was a pretty exciting game. Unfortunately, you know, it's one one team, one lower tier, Division One, Division Two. Tampa Bay, obviously, the superior of, of both. But if you get to watch it, you go to For the Fans right there. Um, and get to watch the game. So that was pretty all pretty awesome kickoff for the WFA. Well, you know, it's exciting to see um, you know, football on on my TV. Uh, you know, I can't deny it and you know, I'm a big uh Roku user myself. So, mm-hmm. um can go I can go to um FTS whenever I want and you know, I can and can watch watch the game and I, I watched it that night. Um I was a little, you know, I was a little surprised that um um, Orlando didn't put up some more some more points. Um, uh, Hunter's she she throws the ball. Uh, she's a very bold quarterback. She's fun to watch, um, and um, their roster was a little bit smaller, I think, than it has been in the uh, uh, the last couple of years. But Tampa is, I think, also uh, a much improved uh, team over the past as well. And now. Tampa, I think, has had a, uh, won most of the games that they've played against Orlando. But in the last few years, you know, Orlando's gotten them early in the season, kind of caught them on their heels. Um, I think the last couple seasons, Orlando's pulled out the win. Um, and then Tampa Bay, later on the season, when the teams matched up, would, would take the later matchup. But um, anyways, uh, to, to have uh, WFA football on FDF Next is, is just a really great thing. Um, that's helping to push the game forward. Uh, by the same token, on the WNFC, I love the way that, that they are putting their games out um, on a streaming video in a few different ways. So you have a lot of different ways to watch the, uh, the games, which can only, only help the greater game of women's football. Mark, uh, you think uh, we'd ever be at this level? I mean, I was I, I started since 2009. You've been covering probably the sport way before I have and I think this is another level. Yeah, just level. a couple really years before you. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I I think there are moments when I could envision things like that happening um as as someone who followed the Boston Militia, um they had mm-hmm. a very nice streamcast. So, it could definitely see the potential um and um uh but the teams have to you know kind of push forward um with their capability to stream the games out and that's not always easy um if 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 you're heading up a league you know it, it's hard to provide every team with sort of equal resources to do that sort of thing so i think you know talking a decade ago I could see the potential and now I'm really very excited um I think streaming technology via the internet has come a long way um content there's more content being made just in general and definitely sports 
um, content being pushed out on all different kinds of uh, networks and channels and, and, and different means. So the, I think with the, the, the revolution, in revolutionized um, content delivery um, has helped the game. It's, you know, it opened doors that weren't there before, like FTF Next. I mean, that didn't exist 10 years ago. You know, there were only, you know, regional um, sports channels on cable, right? And it's hard to get on that, and it still is, actually. But now there's a lot more opportunities um, for women's football teams to, to get a broadcast. I think it's really important that we mention the fact that, you know, we were always wishing for the big gorilla to notice us, and now, um, you know, we're able to get, you know, hooked up with somebody that's a startup in that streaming world, and we're offering content. So I really think it's a marriage in that sense because they're hungry for some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of programming, and we're at that level where we're we're willing to do the programming, right? Because we have the, the entertainment. So I think it goes oh, yeah, to win-win for us. Like you said, the evolution of the internet with the streaming—it's a kind of a win-win for women's football. It, it really is, um, and so I'm pretty excited um, to see how things go as the season progresses. And I really like that, you know, the, the WFA and the uh, WNFC are, you know, are taking different approaches. Um, I mean, it, you know, in a certain way, like we all just kind of take what we can get, like whatever, you know, work, whatever deal can work out for us to get the games in front of people. Like we're willing to um, take them seriously and, and, and try and push forward. So it's just it's interesting that, um, you know, we – the two leagues are, are doing it different ways. I, I think it's really great. And then the announcement, uh, Mark, I don't know where you were at, but my, uh, my uh, you know, I, pistachio almond just fell to the ground when I got the feed that says that uh, the WFA has five years going to be at the Canton, you know, at the Tom Benson Stadium for the national championships. To me, I was like, what? Really? This is <laughs> – this is new, right? I mean, that yeah, that's 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 really big news. Um, and to to have a place that um, will commit to several years of doing it, in and and that's a facility that has, I'm sure it has all the bells and whistles, right? Um, mm-hmm. So they will be able to do a very high quality broadcast um, from that uh, stadium, and it's I know it's going to be awesome. I don't know if I'll be able to get there this year myself personally, but um, we'll have to see. I, I think that's really good. That'll give some stability, I think, to uh, the WFA in terms of their the presentation of their product at the highest level, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, the branding um, effect I think will be huge because I think people are get to see the branding itself uh, stand out now. Not so much the 50 teams, but the brand itself. You know, just like yes. the WNBA stands out with a certain brand and things like that. Um, I'm assuming your your renegades are going to get there at the end. I mean, I if I had a bit of money, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm putting the money on Boston at this point to get to Canton. Well, I always put my money on Boston, but um, well, I think it's safe to never assume <laughs> anything. You know, because uh, that's that's how you know people flip the switch on you. Sure. Sure, of course. Um, but I, are, are yeah, you I think excited gonna... for this, this yeah. matchup, the rivalry? The rivalry is going to be huge. D.C., Boston, Baltimore, on the East Coast. Uh, this is going to be pretty easy. I mean, 
in in some senses easy in a, in a way where it's like it's a triangle, but at the at the same time it's very treacherous because you have the rivalry between D.C. and Boston, and now uh, we don't know what the Nyhawks are going to bring here. Maybe they step up their game too, and now we have a three-way rivalry basically for uh, a playoff run. Uh, well, you know, I I think um, I think Baltimore is is up and coming. Um, Tanya Bryant there is doing a, a really great job, but I don't also I don't want to leave out uh, Detroit. Uh, the Dark Angels are, you know, they they almost won it all in 2019. Um, they're not going to be, you know, they're going to be better. I, I'm, I they're trending up, so um, I think they're definitely, um, you know, adding to the toughness of you know, the East Coast football scene, as, as it were. I, th- I think that's sort of the reputation that the East Coast uh, teams have of being, like, kind of physically um, uh, punishing. Uh, and, you know, Baltimore's got a real tough running back. Uh, Detroit as well. I mean, uh, you know, you can – the Divas are who they are. And, you know, I think Tampa Bay is coming along too. This is their first year in Division One. Um so yeah, I, I think we've got a, a nice slate of teams here. Of course, this is across both the uh, the Division One, Division Two. Uh, so Detroit and Baltimore are in uh, Division Two. I think they're definitely the two strongest teams uh, in the in the um, uh, National Conference in Division Two, or I'm sorry, American Conference. I actually get my conferences mixed up. Let's just say the East. So I think yeah. in the end. Mm-hmm. It'll come down to Detroit and, and Baltimore, probably. Uh, that'll be the big game in Division Two on the East. Yeah, given and, the slam is not in place this year, it really puts them as front runners, right? To your point, Detroit. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Detroit, yeah, is, Detroit is certainly the favorite. Um, and um, you know, not to discount, uh, you know, the uh, any West Coast teams out of hand, but that. Just the fact that they got to the last uh, game of the year last in tw- I'm sorry in 2019, um, they're the the presumptive favorites for sure. All right, here's a shocker for me. I was watching the whole deal for the whole weekend. I'm going to throw it out there to you. Nevada, very impressive. They moved from D3 champs to D2. Nevada really took care of the Sirens. Sirens not the same team of obviously of, of the historic franchise. But at the same time, they, they come out of the box pretty strong, putting up almost 60 points. Okay, so that's a good, that's a good sign there to start out. Uh, the other surprise was Arlington. We knew Arlington from last year or the year before that they were a team that was just on the uprise. And I really think this impact team is what we're going to see this weekend. The impact is going to take on the Houston Energy. And so uh, for, the, uh, for the fans, game of the week. So are you excited to see that? Uh, impact against Houston. I am. I am very excited to see that. Uh, Arlington is a team that I don't get to to watch too often. Um, but, you know, I, of course, follow them all year round. And I knew that they got some fresh blood on the team and that, um, you know, and they are on the rise, I, I feel. Um, I expect them to have a, a good season. And um, I'm definitely looking forward to this game uh, with Houston another team that I don't get too many chances to see. Uh, I really want to kind of get a look under the hood there and see 
see what kind of game they have there. So I will definitely be watching that game closely. If you guys need the promo, uh, it's going to be on the w, uh, Women's Football Alliance site on the Facebook page as well as the website. You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties to get the uh, Houston Energy from their Facebook page, the promo for the, for the fans. Game of the week It's going to be Arlington versus Houston. Last week, uh, Houston with a 32-12 to victory in their first week one, and then uh, the Arlington impact 34-0 to victory. So two teams putting up about 30 points. So it should be an interesting matchup. It really should be. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm um, very excited. What, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Mark, let, let's not forget D3 because we're talking D1, D2. But let's go talk D3 bef- uh, before we let you go here. Um, so D3, a lot of week one uh, action in the Division Three realm, which is the, the highest amount of team the WFA has ever had pretty much in a one tier, right? It's just huge, the, the amount of D2, D3 teams this year. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, and because of COVID, you know, a, a number of teams from, I think, each division have um, opted not to play. So uh, um, that kind of exasper- exacerbates the the, um, uh, the imbalance. I don't know what you want to call it imbalance, but um, I think, you know, Division One and Division Two are, are, are slimmer, uh, in comparison to Division Three, um, the Division Three is still kind of a behemoth of of teams. Um, but that's you know that's great. I, there's a lot of like new teams, um, teams that we haven't seen for a while. Um, uh, the Arizona Outcast won their first game uh, against the Sin City Trojans. Man, shout out to the uh, the Outcast. I know that they've had a number of football teams in Arizona in the past that have struggled to win games, um, but the Outcasts like come out blazing, you know, with a 47-22 victory over the Trojans. Um, so uh, that's really cool. You got the Snow Leopards up in um, South Dakota. Um, I love me a Snow Leopard. That's a really that's a really cool mascot. I gotta say. Um, they're really interesting teams. Uh, the Music City Misfits, man, they've been pushing uh, the, to to try and get past the sizzle for a while, and and, and they've they did it um, in the opening week. So um, shout out to the um, Oklahoma City Lady Force, their first game ever. They they took it over the Tulsa Threat. Now Oklahoma City and they has come a, from a, they come from a previous league where they were dominant. So this is a a sign for them to see how well they're going to match up in this tier. Right. I think they're going to match up pretty well. I think they're going to match up pretty well. The other uh, matchup that I was looking at, um, uh, we got to, you know, shout out to the 20th anniversary for the Austin Outlaws, and they took care of the Houston Power um, 12 to 0. So we'll make sure we mention that. And then you had um, uh, Inland Empire, uh, Cali War. That was no surprise there. Minnesota, no surprise against Iowa. Uh, like I said, Nevada really stood out this week against the Sacramento. Um, we we talked about, oh, the other game that I will invite everybody to go watch on For the Fans Live, it is the Seattle Spartans taking on the uh, the Portland Fighting Shockwaves right there at the hub, and it's via Twitch TV. So you can guys get to watch it. It's a 12-6 to 6 battle, really uh, good contest right there, uh, PDX against uh, Seattle. 
Yeah, that sounded like it must have been a, a pretty pretty good game, a slugfest, right? They must have been really going at it. I'd like to see a score like that. Yeah, so you guys can get to watch it right there via Twitch TV um, uh, off the uh, For the Fans live. Doc. So really awesome to go watch it right there. Um, the other one is uh, Vanguards against this Grand Rapids Tidal Wave team that uh, two years ago wasn't as good. I think now they've retooled after a year. Uh, 39 to 14, take care of Columbus Vanguard there. Uh, Carolina and then and then Lightning in a duel there, 12 to 0 as well. Um, we had uh, Dark Angels getting ready for your Renegades, 35 to 0 against Capital City Savages. Um, so we pretty much a lot of a lot of good action in Week One, and we look forward to Week Two right now. And Week Two is going to be pretty awesome too because we're going to be taking care of right now. I think uh, we got Baltimore. D.C. Take, uh, matchup. So this is going to be crucial on the East Coast. You have Detroit taking on Boston, also crucial, D1 versus D2. Um, the Mustangs taking on the Austin Outlaws, and that's the one I'm interested in because if Dallas falls to 0-2, this is a, it's going to be a struggle for them, especially since they're in Division One. They're going to be hitting the bottom pretty quickly. Yeah, they, need, they definitely need a win. Um, you know, after taking the L against Arlington last week. Um, so I'm definitely interested in that game as well. Um, th- that D.C. Divas-Baltimore Nighthawks game, I think will be competitive. Um, as I said earlier, you know, uh, the Nighthawks are, are, have been trending upward. They, they got a, uh, you know, they got a good thing going on there. And I think they're going to be competitive against uh, the Divas um, who um, – have they don't have as many of um of their veterans they don't have as, as strong a veteran presence as they have in years past there's a lot of new faces on the divas this year they're kind of in rebuilding mode um they still have uh congealdi at quarterback so um she's going to be tough to stop i i think the uh the nighthawks will be keying in on stopping her game um but that's a very interesting um matchup that that I'm anxious to, to see. Uh, and I think as uh, Detroit visits Boston, um, uh, that could be a pretty interesting game. I expect uh, in the end Boston to to pull out the victory. But I, I think if Detroit, you know, this will actually be Boston's first game. So they haven't got those first game jitters out. Um, um, I think if Detroit can... Uh, get the ball first and um, get down the field and score first, then it, it might be an interesting game for a while. Um, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see what um, the Dark Angels have against the Renegades. Um, the Renegades' defense is very good. So um, good luck to the Dark Angels. Um, I, I know they're going to be putting on a show no matter what they do. Um, so we have regional we have regional clashes uh, in week two. We have a lot of regional clashes in week two. Um, Jacks Jacks Dixie Blues taking on Daytona over in Florida. Derby City taking on Columbus Vanguards. The, the Florida duel. Uh, Miami Fury taking on Orlando. Orlando avoiding trying to avoid an zero and two start. Uh, yeah, Miami I think that's really a very interesting. Two and zero. Okay, OKC first big test against Mile High. So this will be the mm-hmm. first big test for the Lady Force and see where they're at in terms of gauge. Um, we had uh, Rio Grande taking on Rocky Mountain. 
Gulf Coast taking on Zydeco. Uh, the Sacramento taking on Cali War. Probably not going to be a great result there uh, for the Sirens. Uh, we have Carolina Phoenix taking on Richmond in the East Coast Swing. Uh, the one I'm more intrigued about is Nevada Storm taking on Sin City. It's a revan- uh, rematch here. This is a Nevada duel. I think it's going to be interesting to see how uh, if Nevada goes 2-0, and and this is Div- Div- Division 2, and, they- and they're going to obviously make their stand now in Week 2 if they win, and then will the Sin City Trojans avoid an 0-2? Yes, that is definitely a big game, and um, um, it's it's nice to have an in-state rivalry there. Um, I'm looking for the Storm to uh, to put on another uh, uh, good show. Um, I definitely feel that the Miami Fury and Orlando Anarchy game is going to tell us a lot about uh, the Anarchy and um, how they're going to compete in uh, Division Two. Uh, Miami's always pretty tough. I actually really love these Florida matchups. Um, um, it's it's great that they have five teams right in the area, so they can uh, be able to have a full season without leaving the state. That's that's really uh, good for them. Um, and you know, it, it's not like one team always has the other team's number. So right. you can never rule out one of the teams in in any sort of Florida matchup. So, but with this with this matchup, I, I think we're gonna. I, I wasn't expecting to see what I saw from the Anarchy in the first game, so I gotta get get another look at them. I know my, Miami is going to give them a tough test. All right, Mark, thank you for coming in. I really, really appreciate it. Giving us the lowdown on week one, giving us the lowdown on week two. Look to have look forward to having you here um, next week or the week after. To kind of break down another couple weeks of the WFA season, and as we get towards the playoffs, you know the excitement that builds up towards the road to Canton which is what everybody's shooting for in the WFA. Thank you very much. I look forward to doing that. All right, Mark. Thank you very much. Have a great evening. I really appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming in. And then uh, you can check out Mark at, at Backseat Coach on Twitter, at Backseat Coach on Twitter, very resourceful and knowledgeable and a big fanatic of the Boston Renegades as well. So thanks for coming in, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, Oscar. Bye. All right, Holly, uh, there you go. Uh, Mark Simon, at Backseat Coach, big-time, long-time Renegades fan and women's tackle football fan. So just wanted to bring him in and give us the lowdown on the WFA because that's his passion. That's what he follows. So pretty awesome intake on week one, week two. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's been around for quite a while, and so it's really good to get his input. Um, you know, definitely an interesting opening weekend for the WFA, and and, you know, I think part of the, the challenge is um, due to COVID when we um, we weren't able to play last year, now it's a, a question of like, okay, well, who who was a holdout? Who's still playing from a couple of years ago? And who, um, you know, got added to certain teams and, and who moved around to a different team? And that whole dynamic um, is uh, a little challenging right out of the gate in, in the first week of, of uh, these matchups, but definitely, I think it's really cool to see the the newer teams and and um, because any time you see uh, you know teams and especially in states that we haven't really seen a whole lot of women's football out of, it's really encouraging to see the growth of the sport. So it's, I think it's really cool. So Holly, you know, I was just talking to Mark right now. 
uh, some key matchups in this week two matchup. Uh, you know, Divas taking on Baltimore. Um, I don't anticipate a Divas loss, but you don't never know, right? Uh, Detroit taking on Boston. We don't expect an upset in Boston, but we never know. I just had Tatiana Blaze here on the last podcast. Um, then Austin, really good in D2. Can they, you know, can Dallas muster up a, uh, and get rebound here in D1? And then you have uh, Nevada taking on Sin City, which I'm really interested in. And then the game of the week, it's going to be Arlington against Houston on For the Fans. So there's some crucial matchups here that are going to define what week three is going to look like and where where each team is going to be basically separating themselves from the pack. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, because of the, 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 because of the COVID break, uh, these first couple of weeks are very important to, to set the pace of who is going to, you know, who's going to be the, the really strong teams, who's going to not be so strong, who's going to be kind of in the middle. We probably won't see a whole lot of separation for a couple more weeks. But that means that each of these weeks is extremely important. So uh, these uh, coming matchups between those teams that you mentioned, I think are going to be very key, um, especially for playoff seeding down the road. And in the West, it's different because the Tier 1 system uh, in the WFA is just a bundle of teams, and it's very crucial for each D1 team to, to get a must-win, right, because you're competing with trying to get to the end. It's not like you're competing with each other every week. It's like because you right. have your schedule is a D2, D3. So if, you're, if you lose to a D3 tier team, that is crucial, right? Because now you're going to be completely oh, yeah. irrelevant in that playoff picture. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think you, you can't afford to, to lose any games. Um, uh, and, and that's a challenge when you are a Division One team and you don't have a lot of teams around you and you're needing to play the D2 and D3 teams, um, you, have to, you have to win and you have to look good in order to, to get, um, you know, uh, decent seating uh, for the playoffs at the end. So it's definitely important. Yeah, I'm, and I think that's the, that's the important part about where I'm getting at. It's like Nevada taking on Sin City. Uh, Sin City really, uh, it's, this is more of a rivalry. Can't, can't afford to go 0-2. Uh, Nevada really will make a statement if they do go 2-0. The same thing situation happens with the Outlaws. The Outlaws take care, take down Dallas. They're going to go 2-0. Dallas is going to go 0-2 and in the hole in D1. Um, not so much in Denver against Baltimore because we know what that's all about. Baltimore come off that big win. Divas right off the block. Obviously, they don't want to go 0-1. So it's a lot of crucial games in this uh, Week 2 slate in the WFA that we're going to be paying attention to, including the game of the week. And you can get it on the game of the week uh, for the fans. So if you have UVerse, it's channel 1665. If you have Fios, channel 597. If you have DirecTV, channel 623. If you're on Roku or Twitch, you can get that as well. So we got the link there uh, at the hub as well. Arlington taking on Houston for the fans. And that's going to be week uh, May, week 2, May, May 8th. So we're looking forward to that matchup as well. So. Uh, we're going to be bringing in, in a couple minutes here, we're going to be bringing in Cassie Dobson, who's going to break down the WNFC for us and uh, week one and week two. Great article that she did. It's right there at the Hub uh, via globalwomensportsradio.com. So we're going to be bringing her on in a couple minutes here. So, um, Holly, 
Week one matchups, um, I went to Vire. There are only four games up there yet. They're still downloading the rest of the games. I watched your game. I was watching the San Diego Rebellion against this, your old team, Seattle Majestics. Um, so t- Rebellion really off the blocks, came in really strong. Um, the Seattle Majestics, new quarterback, hero, uh, sort of a scrambling quarterback like Russell Wilson. So there's a little bit of, of things to work out in Seattle. I think once they get going there, between her and Adrian, Adrian, I believe it's Adrian uh, Wilson, they should be able to kind of be a little bit more potent offensively. Yeah, I think it's a it was a great um, opening weekend for for everybody. Um, I think you know I watched part of the San Diego Seattle game, and you know I think uh, you know from what I saw, it was a very physical game. Um, Hero is definitely um, you know she's she's quick. And so you can't you can't um, over pursue on her because she's going to uh, she's going to be able to scramble out of it. So uh, you're right in that uh, getting the ball to Adrian is going to be very key for them. Um, and I think you know from what I saw from San Diego, they they seem that they still have a lot of experience, especially up front. Um, and you know they have been each year trying to get better and better and better. So I think they're going to be competitive competitive this year as well. Um, And, um, you know, you had, uh, uh, you know, Texas doing their thing against the Heat. Uh, Not a big surprise there. Um, You know, the Washington uh, prodigy uh, uh, took care of business against Atlanta. I um, I was not able to see that one yet, but it seems, you know, like it was a pretty decent game. Um, and then, you know, the other game that I, I got to, to peek at, um, you know, uh, was uh, Lamerte against uh, Denver. And I think that was a really uh, interesting and entertaining matchup. I think that was probably – probably the, it was probably that game and the San Diego and Seattle game that was the most, like, competitive and entertaining game. Um, but I'm excited overall. I mean, I think there's a lot of talent in this league. And it's really fun for me to to check out rosters and be like, oh yeah, I remember that player. And and you know, some of us have moved to different uh, teams, but it's it's really fun to to reconnect with some of those people. And it's just fun to play again and to, and to to be thinking about football and thinking about film and stuff. And uh, you know, we haven't been able to do that for a while. So for me, it's awesome. So speaking of the WNFC, let's go into the monkey knife fight. Huddle, and we're going to bring in our next guest in here, which is the talented Cassie Dobson, contributed to the Global Women's Sports Radio. So let's bring her into the huddle here in a second. Expect greatness. Expect greatness. From our preparation, to the way we perform, to the way we shine, expect greatness. Expect it from yourself. Expect it from your teammates. Expect it from this team. We fall. We kill. We eat. Yes, sir. Hey, energy, emotion. All right, Cassie Dobson, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Oscar Lopez here along the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis from the Utah Falcons. How's it going today? It's going good. I'm super excited to join you guys on the show, um, talk the amazing, wonderful world of women's football. Um, and, yeah, I'm super excited. All right. Get your coffee next to you, I hope. Ready to go. Oh, heck, yeah. We're we're loaded up. We're ready to go. 
All right. Um, so great article, Cassie. I want to bring you on because uh, I just, you know, I follow Global Women's Sports Radio, and Henry G does a really good job of trying to cover all women's sports. So you on board, uh, contributing, obviously, and bringing attention to the WNFC. Uh, it's a huge, huge appreciation from all of us. So uh, week one, you did the nice, uh, you know, rundown of the week one. Uh, you know, the defenses, the really nice games that me and Holly were just talking about right now. So uh, which game stood out to you more uh, of all the games? Uh, is it, you know, one particular game that stood out to you? Like Holly was pointing La Muerte against, you know, the, the good win and La Muerte, La Muerte de las Cruces there. Yeah, I think um, the De Las Cruces game, how could you not find that one, like, standing out? It was definitely, I think, other than my Seattle Majestics, it was definitely the closest game and um, the most competitive in terms of both teams getting a good amount of points on the board. I thought it was a really exciting game to watch. Um, it was going back and forth, and this Las Cruces team, they've been building for years, and it's really, really encouraging for the game of women's football to see that all coming together and coming to fruition. Um, and I mean, full credit to Denver. They played hard and strong till the end, and they've got a really solid foundation in place to keep that team competitive for years to come. But I also do have to give some love to the San Diego Seattle game. I thought that game was really exciting. It was my first experience watching a women's football game from opening kickoff to final whistle. And the energy that both teams, both teams brought was really, really impressive. And those defenses, man, they packed some really hard hits. I was just talking to right now to Holly about uh, as soon as we can get, you know, Hero to kind of connect with, like, you know, Wilson, uh, you might see the Majestics a little bit more blossom out on offense. Uh, I know they got a, a pretty decent run game, but the the air game is right there. Uh, they can take advantage of it. Unfortunately, you know, San Diego defense was really stout, too. They were keeping her contained and making her run around. But if she can win receiver, especially Wilson, you could see a lot more scores from uh, Seattle. Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing to remember with Seattle is their line is really young. I'm pretty sure that offensive line, at least the one that was playing uh, out in San Diego, is all rookies. So I think once those Mm -hmm. women have some time to connect and really, really kind of solidify their game, they've got those first game jitters out of their system. I think that's going to help Hero be a lot more insulated in the pocket and maybe have a little bit less scrambling to do, in which case I think, yeah, we're going to see her explode with some receivers like uh, Wilson and McRae and the Vote Twins. Uh, I think that Seattle offense has the potential to be really, really exciting. All right, our Hall of Famer here uh, on the Utah squad, we know they're a juggernaut, uh, number two ranked, of course, because the runner's up from 2019. Um, What did you think of Utah? I mean, there's a reason Utah is a perennial powerhouse. There's there's really not much to knock on that team. Um, you put up 60 points in your first game, you're, you're definitely going to be turning some heads. I think just the way that they move as a unit, both from offense to defense to special teams, they're, they're an intimidating force, and I'm really excited to see them go on this season. And hopefully I would love to see a Utah-Texas matchup at, at some point. I really do hope that one pops up on the calendar. And the other the other thing we have to credit is um, we just talked about the Prowlers first year. You know, Phoenix kicks off. They go up against one of the best teams, if not number two team in the whole league, pretty well in in terms of limiting their mistakes. They're not they're not going to put up as much points as Utah did, but between Katrina Wilson and uh, uh, Via Reno and Harrison, if once they start gelling there, I think uh, Phoenix is really going to be able to uh, maybe get a, a win or two and surprise somebody. 
Yeah, and I think full credit to uh, both Phoenix and Houston who opened their seasons against two teams that nobody wants to play at any point, and they both really, really held their own in there. Um, I think it was really encouraging to see Phoenix get some points on the board and really shows that they do have the potential to build something with that organization, and it's, it's definitely hard to come out, be a new team, and start against a team that is as reputable and as well put together as Utah. All right, let's bring Holly here to kind of dive into the week one WNFC because she's on the board with the W, but other teams are struggling at this point. So, Holly, just let's uh, pick Cassie's brain here on week one. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. You? Good, good. Um, You know, uh, definitely an exciting first opening weekend. Who do you think is is kind of a, a sleeper team at this point? Um, I'm going to have to say, and it might be weird to pick them as a sleeper because of the score that they put up, but the Kansas City Glory, they are a team that I would not want to face off against. They they beat up on Nebraska 34 to nothing. And I think I'm counting them as a sleeper team because this league is so heavily always back and forth between Texas and Utah. The way that Kansas City moved as a team, they're – Offense packs just as much punch as their defense and vice versa. They look like an elite team that has the potential to go out and do something. And I also just really think in that game, they looked great from an, a line perspective, like the offensive line and the defensive line, that, that great Midwestern football that we all love with really, really strong lines kind of taking over the game and going after each other. Um, so the Kansas City Glory are, are definitely a scary team. Yeah, I agree. I think they have a, a lot of talent and a lot of talent that uh, has experience. Um, what about the, the Alabama Fire? From from my knowledge, it seems like they've taken some uh, talent from the Atlanta um, area as well to merge with their team, and it seems to have paid off at least in the first game. Yeah, the, the Alabama Fire game was an amazing one. I saw some of the highlights, some of the, the key plays there, and I think they have managed to – bring in some pieces since 2019 to make this team even better. I think they were always a really consistent squad and you kind of always knew that you were going to get a really good fight when you played against Alabama. Um, But they seem to have added some roster pieces that have allowed them to almost take that next step. And we saw them run up a little bit of a score on, on Mississippi that I don't think we necessarily would have seen in previous years. So I'm really excited to see if these guys can, can keep this one consistent as they have in years past. Definitely. Um, and um, who do you think maybe underperformed in the first week? Um, I think from from a potential standpoint, I'm going to go with Seattle. I think this team has so much potential and just seeing the offense and seeing what was almost there and you saw they started to click towards the end of the game and then unfortunately, you know, with the lights not coming on and, and it being dark, it, it was a little bit hard uh, to get anything going there. Um, but I think they've got they've got something there with Hero and that receiving core that once their offensive line has all their pieces back together and is playing um, a little bit more like a unit, I think that is a team that is really going to cause some problems. Definitely. I, I totally agree with that. Um, what matchups are you looking forward to for next week? I 
think the most exciting game next week is definitely going to be that Texas-Kansas City game, Um, two teams that gave up zero points and put up a lot of points in week one going at each other. I'm really, really excited to see. I mean, Texas always has that swagger. They always have that attitude. They bring that punch wherever they go. And Kansas City, I think, is a little bit newer to this echelon of eliteness in this league. So I'm really excited to see how they choose to match up with each other. And I think we might be in for for a barn burner of a score with that one. Yeah, I agree. I think if uh, Kansas City um, really wants to to take on ownership of the the sleeper team, you know, they they need to, you know, have a good showing in this game. Like, even if they don't win, I think if they're competitive, then that puts everybody else on notice. Um, So I agree. I think that's going to be an excellent matchup. Um, And what do you – uh, what do you what are your thoughts so far on like the quality of um, you know the, the production of the streaming? Do you think it's it's pretty strong or do you think there's room for improvement? So I was curious, you know, since I was on the field playing, I, I I watched some of it later, but I think some of it was was pretty strong. But I'm interested to see uh, somebody else's opinion on it. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's it was really strong and it was really encouraging to see that that's what we were getting in, in week one after all this time off. Um, and for that to be the product that was put out and, and given to, to fans across the country. And I mean, even across the continent, because I'm up in Canada and I had a bunch of my friends watching this as well, um, was really, really encouraging. And I'm really excited to see what they build over the next month and a little bit. Very cool. Uh, thank you so much for all your, your insights. I think, you know, anytime we get uh, more people interested in people that have the ability, you know, to, to write like you do and, and promote the sport, the better. So please uh, continue to do your thing because it's really good for, for everybody involved. And um, I look forward to talking to you throughout the season. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be part of the women's football world, and I can't wait to bring all of my Canadian friends with me. So if you're out there listening, um, get on board with the WNFC, pick a team, and and let's ride this thing to the finish line. Cassie, um, we have week two action, but week one, I mean, uh, Holly, also your girl Gina, (laughs) your girl Gina just killing it uh, against the Phoenix. I mean, we got to let her know. I mean, that was like, what, four touchdowns? Yeah. I think two tump returns, she, she two punt returns, two returns. Um, she had three. Gina is really ridiculously fast. And I'm really yeah. thankful I don't have to I don't have to chase these people around anymore because I spent many years chasing these people, and now I don't have to, and it's great. <laughs> but, yeah, Gina is somebody who she's going to have a really good year. You know, we already have uh, Tasha as well. And when you combine two of them, it, it's really hard to stop when that ball is, you know, rolling downhill. And I think Tina's worked really hard, and I think she's going to have a great year. Yeah, I, I saw that. I want to give her credit because, I mean, I saw that uh, Utah game. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Cassie, but that girl was just everywhere, 26 everywhere. Um, you know, shout out to Chelsea Slater for, uh, for the Prowlers for putting up the two scores for her team as well. So that was pretty impressive, um, two of those uh, individuals there. Um the other Cassie, the other game that I watched was Philly. Philly really struggled in the first quarter and a half against uh, Carolina, and I was more impressed with not so much that they won, but I was more impressed with Carolina because they had low numbers and they still were able to kind of slow down and create a diverse, uh, you know, 
a, a mishap for Philly to get on the on the roll. They finally got on the roll in the third, late fourth quarter. It was obviously the score doesn't doesn't uh, give us the the whole story. But you know, I want to give a shout out to the Queens. They really showed out. They they stayed competitive. Unfortunately, they couldn't up enough points for that. But uh, Philly really struggled at the beginning, penalties and everything else. Yeah, I was really surprised with that Philly game. I didn't get to watch it live, but I watched the rebroadcast, and after seeing the score, I was watching the game, and I went halfway through the second quarter, and I was like, well, when are they going to start scoring? Because clearly they, they racked up points, but that, I think that's just a full credit to Carolina for being super disciplined on defense, really, really not giving Philly anything to work with. And I think some of those penalties might have been a result of frustration on behalf of Philadelphia probably going in there thinking that this game might have been a little bit easier than it ended up being for them. Um, I mean, granted, by the end, you you wouldn't really be able to tell, but um, they were given quite quite a fierce fight, especially right in the beginning by, by Carolina, that if I'm Carolina, regardless of that score, the fact that it took them so long to get on the board and get rolling, I'm, I'm taking that as, as a win and building on that for, for the season. Yeah, I was very impressed with them. So shout out to the Queens out there for kicking ass on defense. They they if you saw the game, Cassie, um the Phantoms literally into red zone territory and every time uh the 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 just the Queens would just completely stall them as a wall. They would not let them get in. Yeah. It was just just a yeah. just an awesome awesome uh, effort on the Queens. So you know, minus the score, like I said, I want to give them credit because we all go by scores. You know, it's a stat sheet, 42-0. Look, it's a blowout by the by the Phantoms, but it was not a blowout by the Phantoms. It was a tough win by the Phantoms. Um, they didn't get them, their act together in the first two quarters before the half, and then uh, it just turns out that, you know, Carolina, if they had a, a better offense, I think they would have had a couple opportunities there where they could have put up some points and be as competitive. So watch out uh, if you want to, you know, put out a sleeper team at this point. They get healthy here. They add some numbers to it. We could see the Queens kind of, uh, you know, surprise uh, a couple in a couple weeks here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of credit goes to Carolina's quarterback Martin. She made some plays that really, like, if you're if you weren't originally paying attention, the those some of the plays she made really like turned some heads. And the, her ability to put some real pace and real power behind the ball is something that I think could cause problems for opposing teams. So I think what's really missing in Carolina right now is just some timing, which is to be expected after taking a season off because of COVID. So I think once this offense gets a little bit more practice time together, gets a few more reps under their belt, I think, yeah, we could, we could be looking at a very, very quiet sleeper team. Yeah, and I really think that that, that was an impressive game. I, I watched it uh, from start to finish, and I really shout out to them. Um, the, the other game that I was watching was Washington-Atlanta. Uh, to, to Holly's credit, Atlanta is not the same team because we have some players, you know, Kay Mitchell and Tony Fuller and, and some other players that obviously went to Alabama. Um, so this, this, uh, this uh, Phoenix team, uh, tough battle against Washington. Washington really put up a, a good fight. Uh, this is going to be a battle, I think, uh, in that swing where it's going to be competitive on both sides because I really think this is going to be a rivalry at some point. Oh, absolutely. And I think something I'm really happy for Washington that they went out and they got this win because this is a team that even back in their USWFL days, they were getting criticism for, yeah, they were winning, but everyone was saying their competition wasn't up to par. And I think with this Phoenix team, even with those players that have left, it's still a very competitive and and a very 
legitimate football team. So for Washington to go out and be able to keep them off the board in Atlanta, no less, um, I think that will do a lot for the prodigy and their confidence and their swagger to to put some of those naysayers at bay. So the last game I want to do this uh, before we go to week two is uh, shout out to Dion Lee and Holly. You know what Dion Lee is all about. The uh, the Silver Stars were not that relevant in 2019. They struggled. Uh, you know, offensively they they looked bad. This they come off the block. I know it's Oregon. All, all first game for Oregon as, as well, but. Uh, I think the other team that, if you want to consider a sleeper, might be this Vegas team. Yeah, Vegas, to me, was a really, really impressive showing, and I think a big credit to that does go to bringing in um, Lee as, as one of the coaches. But they've also added a lot of new players that I think are helping this team execute the vision that they may have had in past years that they didn't just have the the power to do and they didn't have the bodies to do. So they've they've come together for a really competitive team that I think is going to cause some problems in the Pacific Division. And I think we saw that with Oregon, who probably came into this thinking this might have been a little bit of an easier matchup. And then you're you're facing a Vegas team that looks nothing like the team that took the field in 2019. And they're a, a much, much more improved version of themselves. But I'm excited to see to continue to grow and, and develop under uh, Dion's leadership. I think it's going to be a big difference. Um, he was very successful in his previous incarnations in terms of the IWFL, in terms of the WFA, when he had the showgirls. And he was also very successful in the, um, in the LFL with the Vegas Sin, uh, making it one of the standout teams there. So he, he has a, a history of you know, bringing the best out of his players, and I think Vegas is going to be a different squad this year. Um, going to week two here, it, it's Utah-Denver. Denver, uh, do you think – the loss to Las Cruces is de- detrimental to them, and if they go on two here, is that going to be crucial for them? I don't think it's detrimental because of the way that they lost. They they put out a really good fight. They didn't go out there and they didn't get blown out. Which, if they had gotten to to Las Cruces and and put up a zero on the board, then I would be a little bit more concerned. But they put up a really good fight against um, Las Cruces and. I don't love their chances going against this Utah juggernaut, but I think if they can get through the four quarters with that competitive spirit that they used all throughout the game against Las Cruces, I think even at 0-2, there is hope for this team and there there will be a chance for them to turn it around. It's just unfortunate that the second game on their schedule is against a perennial powerhouse like the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, the, the Denver is looking at that Houston – Texas first game, like you said, with the heat going crap. <laughs> the the beast yeah, arrived. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I know how that that feels when you have to pay play higher competition than you, and you have to admit that they're higher competition than you. It's kind of not a cool thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the Bobcats, we haven't seen them this year. Very impressive in terms of 2019. Uh, you know that that battle between Seattle and San Diego. Uh, Bobcats really were really good. So uh, out of here, Oregon. What do you expect of Oregon here? They they, they get you know blown out thirty three to six. Brand new team. I think this is going to be pains for them this season. Just a matter of growing week to week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon comes out flying with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after that showing against Vegas. I think they do now have something to prove um, that they're not going to just take games in the Pacific uh, competition slates 
as easily as maybe they thought they would. I'm really excited to see LA. I think they're in a really unique position, um, both of having someone of an advantage from a preparation standpoint, getting to see their opponents um, have those week one tapes without the opponents having any film on them from recent games. But I also think you'll see some of those first game jitters come out for the Bobcats that that teams will have gotten out last week. So I think that matchup, as well as um, Florida and Alabama, another team that didn't play in week one, I think those will be really interesting from a, a scheme and a coaching standpoint. But with regards to like the competitiveness of the Oregon LA game, I'm really excited because like I said, I think Oregon does have a lot to prove now. All right, the best uniforms, uh, they were rated the best uniforms. The Avengers apparently have the best uniforms in the whole WNFC. So uh, I, I know the uniforms aren't going to play on the field, but they're taking on Alabama. And Alabama, Alabama coming off really, uh, you know, Mississippi was talking smack on IG all preseason, and they get, <laughs> they get whooped uh, uh, by the fire. Uh, I'm pretty sure... Uh, Tony Fuller and company there, they're looking forward to this battle. Uh, Florida really uh, looking forward to, you know, being taken on a competitive team like Alabama. I think this is going to be a, a really good uh, clash. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this game. And I do have to say, I think Seattle's uniforms are nicer. I think those are the best uniforms in the WNFC. But that okay. is neither. All right, well, I'll give you that. But I know uh, all the Florida. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm really excited to see what Florida does against Alabama. I think they're in a really unique position, kind of like L.A., except L.A. is taking on a team that has something to prove, whereas Florida's taking on a team that's got a little bit more pep in their step after, you know, pummeling the Panthers, who had kind of gone after them a little bit on social media. So I'm excited to see what Florida does in terms of a coaching perspective on how to prepare for Alabama because they've really seen kind of what they can do. Um, I just hope that for the sake of, you know, this game being as competitive as possible, that Florida gets rid of those first game jitters relatively quickly. And if they can have those out of their system by the end of the first quarter, I think we're in for a really, really entertaining game of football. All right. So uh, Carolina Queens, you're listening to us. I know you're listening to us around uh, two at home against Philly. Uh, very, very competitive matchup in that game. And, uh, they get a week to rethink that, and I don't know, Cassie, maybe this it could be a situation where Philly has to wake up because they might, uh, you know, they might lose a road game here. I think Philly needs to really work on their penalty issues. They, they had a lot of penalty issues in the first game. I'm really excited for this game because of how much promise Carolina showed in that first week, and I think they're going to come into this game knowing that they can do it, and I think Philly, I wouldn't be surprised if they come into this game – kind of resting on their laurels a little bit. We saw that they were able to start really slow and still pull off a really big win. So I think this is going to be a game where right out the gate, we're going to see a very, very motivated Carolina team. And I'm not really sure how Philly's going to act. I think they showed very early on in that last game that they do get into penalty trouble if they don't watch themselves a little bit. And I would hate for that to kind of dictate how this game goes if, if Carolina kind of stuffs them again at the beginning. But I, I think this could be a really interesting grudge match that we're, we're going to see go down. All right. I, you know, I'm going to give a shout-out to the Queens. I know I'm, like, hyping the Queens, but when you're playing Iron Man, uh, Iron Woman football, you know, when you're low on numbers and you're playing both sides uh, the whole game, i, I got to give a shout-out for that. You know what I mean? It's like that is impressive. 
especially when you're going oh, up against I, a, a larger roster. I mean, you guys, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, no, for them to to have gone on the road with such low numbers and to put up the product that they did on the field, and again, I know the score probably doesn't reflect it as well as it should, but if you just look at the film of this game and look at the heart that they showed from opening kickoff to final whistle with, you know, a third Philly had in terms of um, manpower, woman power, it's it's such a commendable effort, and I think these guys should be really, really proud of themselves. Yeah, it was a really good. I, I watched the game, and I like that's, that's why I'm giving every them a you know a nice shout out because they really deserve it. And coming into this week, hey, this is your game, Queens. You know, if you take down Philly, this is going to be a, probably the big upset of the whole uh, the whole year if that if it happens. This will be an upset for the whole year, especially with your the amount of staffing that you got right now. So hopefully that's the case. And Carolina fans are going to be like just going ecstatic. Uh, Philly, wake up. You got to be more disciplined. You got to make sure you stay on your, stay focused. Um, the battle of two winless teams, Cassie, Nebraska, Houston. This is a, you know, Houston, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska uh, got to see the, the, the new look of glory and Houston got to, you know, revisit <laughs> the Spartans. Yeah, I think both these teams will just be breathing a sigh of relief that they're not taking on um, a perennial powerhouse, and they, they'll probably have a lot better of a chance to, to get in the end zone. Teams should really approach this week as their week one. I think last week for both of them was a wash like before it even started just because of how good their opposition was. Um, so I'm really excited to see these teams come out, get essentially a fresh start against competition that – they're kind of at each other's level. I'm really excited to watch both these teams grow over the next couple of years. And I think um, them going head-to-head fresh off, you know, those losses that they'd probably rather forget um, will we'll give for some really interesting football. I really like what Nebraska put out against Kansas City, and I think they probably maybe deserved a touchdown in that game. Um, so I'm really excited to see kind of what – they come out with and if they've got anything up their sleeve to surprise Houston. All right. So we're going to be rooting on uh, Nebraska, uh, our co-host uh, who's playing on the Nighthawks, Mackenzie Brooks. So uh, go Mackenzie, get the win girl. Let's do it. Get that first win for those, for the season. Um, the other, the last game before we get, get you out of here, uh, Atlanta, Mississippi. So tough loss for uh, the Falcons of uh, Phoenix against Washington. Mississippi gets routed, um, so I'm pretty sure the Phoenix do not want to go 0-2 here, and I'm pretty sure Mississippi does not want to fall to 0-2. Yeah, I think this will be a really fun game to watch because I think both these teams are going to be playing, I don't want to say desperate ball because no one's really desperate in week two of a season, but 0-2 is so dreaded, and especially when you're playing competition again that's at your level you're not playing one of the texas one of the utah one of the kansas cities you're playing a team that from both teams perspective you can beat and if i'm atlanta my sole focus is making sure i get to the end zone at least once because i can't imagine a worse feeling than being not only being zero and two but not having scored so i i'm really excited to see that offense come out guns of blazing um, all systems go, and if I'm Mississippi, I think there was a lot to learn from last week's results and um, a lot to kind of take in and, and work on from a team unit perspective, and hopefully that will translate onto the field. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking for, 
I'm looking forward to see how Atlanta rebounds here uh, defensively. They played a really good game defensively. Mississippi got got stopped also. So offensively, what can they do to you know to get going? Or and so it's a great matchup here. This one, Mississippi, Atlanta, Atlanta Nebraska, Houston. I, like I said, the Carolina is the one I'm going to be circling to, to watch to see how that that's a rematch, a you know back to back week. Um, Texas, Kansas City. Uh, this is the big test for the glory. Uh, we know what the Spartans are all about. It is Sowers and company that need to show us that they can take down the gorilla. It's, this, this, this is their moment. It's like they're, they're going to be everybody's going to be watching them to see what how they perform against um, the Texas elite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think if, for Kansas City, as long as you can remain competitive in this game, I don't think you'll have anything to feel bad about. But I do, from their perspective, like if you can take down Goliath in week two after a season where nobody played, then I would have some serious swagger behind me and my team, and I would be ready to take on anyone um, if they can really if they can give Texas a run for their money this week. I think that's going to be definitely the game of the week, and um, probably a game for anyone who isn't necessarily a women's football fan yet. Feeling if you watch that game, you'll you'll walk away with a different opinion. All right, so Vire Network. Uh, if you guys haven't gone there, Vire Network. You can go to the watchvire.com forward slash sports and uh, Cassie. Uh, let everybody know where they can follow you on uh, Twitter. They can follow you on globalwomensportsradio.com as well, and your articles are going to come out pretty much weekly at this point. So we're looking forward to week two's recap of the all the action, and uh, we'll have you here biweekly, and we really appreciate you making the commitment to come in and kind of give us, our fans, the lowdown of what's going on in the WNFC. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm super excited to be to be coming on here and doing some more content. You guys can find me on Twitter at Casey with two Y's underscore Dobson. So C A S E Y Y underscore D O B S O N. Um and my Twitter is all women's sports football and I'm hopefully excited to see you over there. All right. Uh, you can follow Cassie uh at Cassie. That's two Y's. Uh, underscore Dobson, and you can get the article right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Scrooge Beauties. You got her article right there from globalwomensports.com. Uh, so, Cassie, thank you for making the time. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, very great insights, and looking forward to week two of WNFC and see what the results will be next week. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great night. We'll look forward to you in an, another week or so, and as we probably dive into week four which is going to be awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, there is a lowdown, WNFC lowdown. You can get uh, Cassie Dobson's article right there at the hub, facebook.com forward slash Beauties, And she is just very insightful, informative, uh, key to the WNFC week-to-week matchups. Uh, go check out her article. Broke it down very nicely in terms of the three, three major uh, you know, uh, matchups that happen and also the, the teams that are relevant at this point. La Muerte, very impressive, as she noted there. The same thing uh, with the other games that she put out there, San Diego against Seattle as well. And so we're, we're looking forward to having her on here uh, at biweekly, giving us the information that we need in terms of the Women's National Football Conference action. And if you guys missed it this week, week one, Go check it out. I highly encourage watching the Philly 
uh, Philly Phantoms against the Carolina Queens. Uh, shout out once again to the Queens for putting a Iron Woman performance against a tough, talented team that is the Philly Phantoms, and they're going to be doing that next this coming week as well. So really good matchups. You got Week Two Alabama Fire against Mississippi. Uh, let me see Alabama uh, Fire against the Florida uh, Avengers. That's coming up this week. Uh, we also have um, the L.A. Bobcats, they, week two, uh, Oregon against the Oregon Ravens, Utah against Denver Bandits, and then the class that everybody wants to see is uh, Elite Spartans against Kansas City Glory. It's going to be really, really awesome. So if you guys haven't gone to the hub, go to the hub at Facebook.com. You get all the lowdown right there. The best network on the planet exists at the hub, Facebook.com forward slash Beauties. If you want to get the lowdown results every week, you go to Twitter as well at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. That's where you can follow us there as well, and IG at Gridiron Beauties as well on the Instagram. So this is going to be a really awesome weekend. Both WFA and don't forget WFA for the fans matchup game of the week. Arlington Impact taking on the Houston Energy. That's going to be a great matchup. So don't miss it there. And we will gather all the other links from all the other teams. As they provide them to us, we will go ahead and share those out. Don't forget to go check out Seattle Spartans against uh, the Portland Shockwave in the WFA Week 1 right there via Twitch. You get the link right there at ForTheFansLive.com. So it's a really good matchup there. So check it out, Seattle Spartans taking on the Portland Fighting Shockwave right there uh, at the hub. All right. So if you guys haven't gone to MonkeyNightFive.com, I don't know what you're doing. Go to MonkeyNightFive.com, $5 play get up to a hundred dollar match so if you play you know five dollars you get fifteen dollars if you get any props correct if you want to put a hundred dollars you make it you can make up to three hundred dollars on any props correct so you can play nba major league baseball you can play national hockey league mma pga a lot of platforms so if you go there get excited put the code njf get started if you haven't visited our no joke football shop i don't know where you're at where you're at no joke football shop at zazzle.com forward slash credit beauties check it out uh, best gear there, sported out, uh, shirts under 25 hoodies under 30 you get leggings under $50, great pair of leggings if you want to uh, wear them out and showcase and spotlight our brand. Uh, thank you to all our brand athletes out there. Uh, Lexi DeMeo is going to be playing for the Sin City Trojans. Uh, Donna Zyke playing for the L.A. Bobcats as well uh, in season. Mackenzie Brooks, the Nebraska Nighthawks, and all our other uh, – athletes out there uh, globally as well. Thank you for uh, helping us promote women's tackle football and uh, bringing attention to the sport. So uh, for the Hall of Famer, okay, Holly Custis, for the absent uh, Nate Ward and the absent Mackenzie Brooks, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening today. We are going to be having a great week-to-week podcast because of all the action that's happening in the Women's Football Alliance and the Women's National Football Conference. Uh, I'm sorry to to let you guys know, we will not be having Chelsea Alt or Gabby Farrell uh, going forward. Unfortunately, they had other commitments, and they could not make a commitment to the podcast on a week-to-week basis. Uh, they might be chiming in from now and then, but they're not going to be regular contributors as they were previously to the podcast, so we're sad about that, but we understand their situations and wish them well. But we will be having a lot more things happening week to week uh, in terms of Cassie Dobson coming in here biweekly, the Hall of Famer chiming in as well, 
and a lot of guests lined up for the next eight weeks as we dive into the Women's Football Alliance and the Women's National Football Conference season. So really, really excited. And if you haven't checked it out, go to Vire Network, uh, Vire, uh, com forward slash sports, or you can go for the fans, for the fans, uh, at Twitter, at for the fans HQ, or you can go dive into forthefanslive.com and get the uh, game of the week for the WFA as well. So if you miss Tampa Bay versus Orlando, you can catch it on replay. If you miss any of the games in the w- WNFC, you can go to the virenetwork.com or you can go to watchvire.com forward slash sports. So really, really excited to have uh, all the action happening. So we will be covering it week to week on the best network on the planet as well, right here on the best podcast uh, covering women's tackle football weekly and NFL news. All right. So um, I want to give a heads up, you guys. Tomorrow, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific, um, you have Coach Holmes, Tim Holmes of the L.A. Bobcats, and it's Coach's Corner number 5 right here via Block Talk Radio and on, on all the other major platforms, Apple, Spotify, and uh, iHeart. So don't forget, get the insights real-time. Uh, as the L.A. Bobcats get ready to face the Oregon Ravens. So tomorrow, make, make sure you tune in to Coach, uh, Coach Timothy Holmes at Coach's Corner 5, and uh, check it out and get the link right there as well. So uh, if you follow us on Block Talk, he's right there. He's one of our followers as well. So I want to give him uh, some uh, promo shout-out to them. And if you missed uh, any, of the, any of the episodes, since we're talking women's football in season, you got Coach, uh, Coach's Corner 5 right there with uh, Coach Timothy Holmes weekly on Wednesday night and you can always catch any of the podcasts uh, cleat sheets as well with the talented Jody Redlander and Aaron Truitz of the Boston Red Sox I mean Boston Red Sox, Boston Renegades uh, you can go to a cleat sheets on IG and just punch it in and you can get the podcast there as well there as they're going to be talking women's uh, football lines week to week recaps as well so you got three shows that you can dive in weekly during the uh, hectic women's tackle football season. So check them out. If you uh, need uh, the links, you can always chime in to me on Facebook or on Twitter or on IG. So it's going to be a great, exciting uh, season. Well, we're so excited to do that. Uh, shout out to the four Mexican girls. Uh, they came from Mexico and helped out La Muerte de las Cruces out there get their first win out of the box in the WNFC. Shout out to Billy Avalos and company out there for getting their first win. So really, really excited for them and looking forward to the clashes in week two because this is where it's at um, and nobody wants to go 0-2. Uh, there's a lot of teams going 2-0, and so really, really excited. And just to let you guys know, we announced, uh, the WNC announces we're doing the rankings this year like I did in 2009 with uh, some other talented folks as well. Um, so we're going to be really diving into the, uh, the polls. Um, so we're doing week-to-week polls with the coaching polls. So it's like a media, media poll including the coaches poll. So the Women's uh, uh, National Football Conference has partnered with the Women's Football Ranking Committee to launch the Women's Football Poll. It's uh, powered by some of the most respected and knowledgeable people in the sport, and I appreciate them saying that. Uh, The Women's Football Rankings Committee will provide weekly rankings of all the WNFC teams. Each voter will provide their own ranking of the teams, and the individual rankings will then be combined with the WNFC coaches poll to produce a national ranking. It is a similar to an AP poll in college football. The WFRC poll will, will uh, influence seeding for the WNFC Conference Championship Tournament and the future league matchup scheduling. Um, so the members were announced today. 
the 2021 members of the RC, Matt Hennessy of USA Football, Bill Williams of USA Football, Julie Shockley, Team USA gold medalist, Adam Bell from Charleston Network Media, uh, and myself from Gridiron Beauties Media, uh, Josh Davis from uh, NFL, uh, XFL, CFL analyst, and Tina Kelly, XFL, AAF analyst. So the members will consider the overall team record, the strength of schedule, head-to-head results, comparison of results against a common opponent, and more to complete their rankings. Each WFRC member will provide a weekly ranking of each team. A first place is worth 20 points. A second place vote is obviously 19 and so forth. So the poll will be posted on the WFC website as well as the WNFC socials. So get all the details right there at WNFCfootball.com. So thanks, uh, uh, Odessa and company, and, and for entrusting us with this important thing that we want to get going so we can get fans engaged and, and dive into the sport and dive into the WNFC as well. So looking forward to doing that week to week with all the talented uh, members of the WFRC. So awesome. All right, we should have uh, Mackenzie chiming in here in a couple weeks. We'll have the Hall of Famer in and out, uh, Holly Custis as well. Uh, looking forward to interviewing some of the top talents in both leagues in the next couple weeks as we go towards the road to Canton for the WFA and we go towards the road to the end, uh, the nine cup in the WNFC. So for the absent Mackenzie Brooks and for the Hall of Famer Holly Custis and Nate Ward, Oscar Lopez here is saying have a great night. We're looking forward to week two results of the WNFC and the WFA. Have a great night, everybody.